It's a privilege and an honor to be with you this morning. Uh, some of you uh, we've, uh, we've just met. It was wonderful to meet Sister Susan, uh, Laurie, also uh, yeah, Brother James. Brother James was just telling me that he's uh, 89 years old. Born in 1933, would that be be correct? And uh, I've just been asking him if if the door, the entrance to the church building has always been the same. And he said so. So it's just really wonderful meeting some of you this morning. And if we haven't met yet, I'll be looking forward to meeting you right after the service. It's a privilege to be with you, whether you are joining us here, or I also understand that some people connect in every now and then on live stream. You're all welcome this morning as we come around God's word. Please, if if you have your Bibles, keep them open to Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. Or maybe for you, you are using your, your phone or tablet. Yeah, please, yeah, just pull up Jonah chapter 1. And if you have your Bible with you, uh, if you can, get close to someone because you and I want to maintain our eyes on this passage to see what the Lord has said and what we must do this morning in applying this passage into our lives. It's a great privilege to be here with you and to see what Uh, the Lord has said in his words here in the book of Jonah. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we are very thankful because you are God who speaks. And we ask you to speak to us this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, because you are the only one who has the words of eternal life. Please help us to look at your word this morning in John chapter 1. In Jesus' name, amen. Mission. Mission just last night where... Um, I discovered something new in the United States sports team, and that was the term March Madness. Currently, as you will know, 32 U.S. college basketball teams are going through the tournament, and at the end of this month, it will be determined who is the winner of the March Madness. <coughs> Sorry. All of the college basketball teams are on a mission to win this March Madness. Just last November, the world witnessed one of the greatest sports events that happens every four years, and that's the Soccer World Cup. 32 teams descended on Qatar with one mission and one mission alone, to win the World Cup. The U.S. national team was right there in Group B. 
to win the World Cup, perhaps attempting to do what the women's national team, soccer team in the U.S. has been able to do, being the most successful soccer team in the world currently. All the teams, just like in March Madness, or in the World Cup last November, they were on one mission, and one mission alone. Win. You and I this morning, here in Jonah, we see a mission much bigger than the March Madness. All the World Cup. And that's God's mission we are considering this morning. That's God's mission we are considering this morning. And the question I would like us to ask ourselves is this. Are we on God's mission? If you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, or you have been a Christian for some time, the question is the same. Are you on God's mission? That's what we would like to be considering as we come to the book of Jonah. And of course, the answer to that question can be seen in the choices that we make. Specifically choices about missions. It was Albert Camus who said, life is a sum of all our choices. And this morning we are considering, are you on God's mission? Are you on God's mission? Once upon a time, the God of all mission set out on one mission to bless the nation of Israel and to send them out so they could be a blessing to every nation. So that every family, every race, every tribe, every nation, every language will come to know a God who cares. But here in the book of Jonah, Israel has drifted from that mission. Just like us here today in America, only concerned majorly about our own security and our own comfort. And we see this right here in Jonah chapter 1. Here in Jonah chapter 1, we see two missional, missional choices made between two geographical places, Nineveh and Tarshish. Nineveh represents God's mission. Tarshish represents our own mission. These two geographical places are the poles on which this entire book hangs. Nineveh, Tarshish. Can you see here in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah is on his own mission. He runs from a God who cares to the pagans 
who repents. Jonah runs from a God who cares to the pagans who repent. The aim of this passage in Jonah chapter 1 is to get us on God's mission. First of all, we're going to look at the God who cares in verses 1 to 6. And then we will, we will also see the pagans who repent in verses 7 to 16. So first of all, our first head, headline, the God who cares, verses 1 to 6. The time is about 750 B.C. The Assyrian Empire is the world's superpower. And Nineveh is their great city at 120,000 strong. God cares about Nineveh, the great city, as much as he cares about Virginia, this great state. So what does God do? He sends his prophet, Jonah, to go to Nineveh, that great city. Have a look with me, please, at Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah says, no. Jonah doesn't want to go. He knows that God cares about this, these people, the people who have caused him so much suffering. People who will eventually wipe out Israel off the map. Imagine Jonah's anger. Barbarians have tortured your grandmother. They have cut out her tongue alive. They have gonged out her eyes and they are on a spike in the front of your own yard for you to see how proud they are, how powerful they are. What do you do? What do you do and why would God care about such savage, barbarian, wicked people, the Ninevites? But this is the God of all grace. And that grace will be extended to the religious like Jonah and to the pagans. They will all come to witness the great grace that you and I sing about. Today, this will be like God specifically commissioning a Ukrainian church pastor who in just the last year, half of his congregation, they have all died due to the war. His entire family, they're all dead. 
What would you think about the pastor God telling him to go to Moscow, to go to Putin, and share God's grace, and share about a God who cares? You guessed it. He would be reluctant. You wonder if we were in the same position, we would be reluctant. So here, God says to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach. Jonah is reluctant. Perhaps some of us, like maybe our brother, brother James, who lived through the world war, some of us who love history, what would you say in 1941? A Jewish rabbi standing on the streets of Berlin and calling Nazi German to repent. How long do you think he would have lasted on those streets calling Nazi German and Adolf Hitler to repent? That is the scenario in which Jonah was at the time. So have a look with me at verse 3. Let's read. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. That was Jonah's response. You see, this guy is brilliant. He does not like God's mission. It's not secure. It's so comfortable, just like us here in America today. He would rather take a cruise down to Tarshish than actually responding to God's mission. You see, Nineveh was located in the city of Mosul, present-day Iraq. If you are in Israel, you don't get there. I bought. Jonah is told to go east. He goes west. Jonah is told to arise and go. He goes down. You will notice in these verses, verses, verse 3, he goes down to Joppa. Verse 5, he goes down the deck, and he will eventually go down into the sea in verse 15. How about you and I this morning? Would you rather go on mission to Iraq every year or take a cruise or take a vacation? No brainer. 
you and I given the choice. We know exactly what we will choose. But can you see God's providence here in the book of Jonah? Jonah verse 4. God sends a great wind to cause a great storm. And after he will send a great fish that will eventually swallow Jonah. If you want to know more about Jonah in the fish's belly, the famous story, please come back. Um, yeah, uh, the next time, maybe Brother Jimmy is preaching through Jonah chapter 2. But here we see God's great grace to the religious Jonah and to the pagans. They will all experience God's grace. The 18th century preacher and music composer John Newton, he came to grace. Having been caught in a storm on March 10th, 1748. Why wouldn't he sing the amazing grace of a God who cares about all? All will come to grace. In a tiny African village in Uganda where I was born, my grandfather was a lost pagan. He was a Muslim. My family was buried in witchcraft. I was lost. Today, I am found. But that same grace. Today, you and I experience God's grace. Not because of what we have done. Not because we were good or even better than the people of Nineveh the religious among us, and those of us who don't know much about the Bible, those of us who don't know much about God, we will all come to God's grace. Can you see Jonah running from God's grace, running from a God who cares, but he is confronted by the pagans who repent. And that leads us to our second headline. In verses 7 to 16, we see the pagans who repent. In his book, The Great Divorce, by the way, Brother Jimmy has a copy of The Great Divorce on his shelf, if you're interested to take a look. In his book, The Great Divorce, Divorce, C.S. Lewis says this. Those that hate goodness are sometimes nearer than those who know nothing at all about it and think they already have it. Spot on here in Jonah chapter 1. Jonah is reluctant to believe in a God who cares. But yet the pagans do. The pagans believe in a God who cares. 
Some of us are reluctant to go to the nations. While the Lord has brought the nations on our streets. It was a great privilege and honor on Friday night as I, as I arrived. It was wonderful to participate in a Filipino Bible study. Here in Jonah, can you see the great windstorm in verse 4? The pagans are praying. What is Jonah doing? He is praying and worshiping the Lord. No, he is taking a siesta. Have a look with me, please, at verse 6. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe, maybe, he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. The captain uses the same word that God uses in verse 2 to arise in calling Jonah to pray. The pagans are praying. Jonah is asleep. Verse 7, we can see God's providence. Right there in verse 7, they cast lots and the lots they fall on Jonah. You can see the fury of questions in verse 8. What do you do? Who are you? Who are your people? Jonah gets to answer that in verse 9 with his identity and his hypocrisy. Let's have a look at verse 9. Jonah says, I am a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew, a privileged race. Like some of us this morning. If you and I ever went to church as children, whether that was only at Christmas or at Easter, we were privileged enough to hear about Jesus Christ. Most pagans, people in Mexico, they have no idea. Most pagans in Africa, you don't know much about Jesus Christ. You may have heard of something, well, you know, maybe something like that because some colonial masters, they use the religion as a colonization strategy to conquer your country and said, well, you need to change your name from your Native American, in this case, in Mexico, or from your African name, just change it to access political benefits. Still your heart, you are deep into witchcraft. You worship your dead ancestors. You don't know much about Jesus. You don't have the privilege. But here in Jonah chapter 1, we see that those with religious 
privileges and the pagans will all will all come to experience God's grace. Jonah says in verse 9, I am a Hebrew. What has, does he say? Have a look with me, please, of verse 9. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Really? Really? Jonah, really? You worship the God who made the sea and the dry land. That's the only thing here in Jonah chapter 1. We don't see Jonah dying. All we have seen is his rebellion running away from a God of all grace, from a God who cares. But he's now confronted by the people he was trying to avoid, the pagans. Here in verse 9. Of course, we can say about Jonah that his theology is not as good as his practice. Exactly like you and I here this morning. I may believe in a God who cares about every race. By giving the opportunity that people have cost me so much hurt, I may be reluctant to share God's grace with them. You see, if I lived in Rwanda in 1994 during the genocide and I belonged to one of the tribes in this case, the Tosis, and God was to say to me, go and share grace to the Hutus, which was another tribe, people who have killed your whole family, people who have butchered your children, go and share grace. You see, I might be reluctant. Jonah, we can understand his human concern, but that does not excuse him, just like it doesn't excuse us from our sheer Reluctance not to obey God, not to be involved in God's mission. Of course, we can say not secure, not comfortable, but that's not a justification. Jonah decides to worship the Lord. His theology is right. Can 
I see that question right there in chapter 1, verse 10. It's not asking for more information. The brackets in here in the NIV, they're very helpful. They already tell, tell us that they, they, they already know because John has already told us. The question here in verse 10, it's more like saying, Jonah, what am I chicken? into the sea in verse 15. But here you and I this morning we can't miss the fact that these famous people who didn't know much about the Bible here in chapter 1 we are not told how much they know about the Bible but we are assuming that all they know has come from Jonah. So they're not going to know anything that Jonah doesn't know, but their response is very different to Jonah's response. Let's have a look. In verse 14, can you see the pagans repent? They recall that the Lord does what the Lord you see, if you and I here this morning believe that God made the fishes, we would have no problem to, to believe that he can do as he wishes. You see, if I believe that God made the fishes, he can do as he wishes. God's providence, God's sovereignty. Have a look with me at verse 16. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. Now the fear of the Lord is not the, uh, the same as fearing a terrorist. Fear of God is used in the Old Testament to mean reverence, love,
who had a change from worshiping idols to worshiping the real God who made us free. in a boat and he's asleep he's taking a siesta and the disciples wake him up master master don't you care that we are going to die he is a God who cares he is a God of all gods he wakes up and says sing all those amazing grace, amazing, amazing songs of amazing grace of the Lord, Emmanuel, who was born among us. He literally pitched his tent and lived among us. He left everything. He came on the earth with one nation to meet my friend 
Chutro, Chavero. I guess that you have already heard a little bit about him. Chucho was born in a dysfunctional family. By age nine, he was rebellious. Age 13, he joined a gang. By age 17, he was involved in a, in a fight where he was stabbed several times in the stomach and in his back. He was left on the streets to die. He took the mercy of onlookers who took him to the hospital. And in the hospital, he heard, he heard the good news, the Holy Jesus Christ. He later decided to surrender his life to Jesus Christ. Chucho, today, he's a pastor in a hard to reach region of Mexico. Known as the circle of silence that Brother Jimmy just shared with us. And of course, the English school that uh, Brother Jimmy shared about, it's a way for us to get into the community, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in a very personal way with people. The religious people in Mexico who have always considered themselves Catholics, yet practicing their own witchcraft. Those simply considering themselves as pagans. Out in Mexico, you come to experience God's wrath. Just like you and I this morning. So, as we finish, how about us here at Hillsborough Baptist Church? Our question. Are you on God's mission? Are you on God's mission? Although you and I here this morning, we might not have heard God's specific call like Jonah. Jonah got to Nineveh. That's okay. No worries. We have Jesus' great to all nations and make and make disciples. Because the nations will include our friends. The nations will include our next door neighbors. The nations will include our work colleagues or maybe people we are at school with. joy to hear about members of our church family involved in national missions in the United States, going to different states and share God's grace, share about the God who cares. And it was wonderful to receive Jimmy, to receive Chris, Gabs, and Dom to come down to Mexico across the border see what's going on and how as a church family we can grow God's kingdom 
beyond our borders. And it's a privilege for me to be here with you this morning and to join forces in growing and expanding God's kingdom. So this week, our question is, Father, we are very thankful this morning for your grace. We thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity to be called your children. We thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die for us. And we are sorry, especially during those times when we are reluctant, when we resist to obey you and to be your enemies. We pray this morning that you please help us <coughs> to be faithful disciples, to make disciples. In Jesus' name. Amen. We stand and sing the doxology with us. <laughs> 